0: This is Guidepost, a new podcast from the publishers of The CRISPR Journal. Hello, I'm Kevin Davis, Executive Editor of The CRISPR Journal. Thanks for joining us. To kick off our 2019 series of interviews with pioneers and other interesting voices in the world of genome editing and CRISPR biology, we have something special. In a moment, our exclusive conversation with Emmanuel Charpentier this episode of guidepost is brought to you by genetic engineering and biotechnology news the bedrock of the biotechnology industry now redesigned from cover to cover for 2019. sign up for a free subscription at www.genengnews.com welcome to next gen for the premier guidepost episode of this new year 2019 We're delighted to bring you our conversation with Emmanuel Charpentier, a true pioneer in CRISPR research. Charpentier is best known, of course, for her landmark publication in 2012 in collaboration with Jennifer Doudna and colleagues establishing the CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing system. Her journey from a relatively unknown microbiologist searching for independence to pursue her research across Europe to one of the most famous scientists in the world is both fascinating and inspiring. We recently met up with Charpentier on a rare return visit to New York where she lived for several years as a postdoc. Our rendezvous took place on the Upper West Side, appropriately in a French bistro as patrons gathered for lunch, which you'll discern in the background. So, bon appetit! Emmanuel Charpentier, it is great to uh, see you here in New York. Uh, Bonjour and uh, thank you for joining us on Guidepost.
1: Bonjour and thank you for giving me the opportunity to discuss with you.
0: Yeah, uh, it's great you were here in New York to give a lecture at uh, Columbia University and you were, um, we're sitting here I should say in a lovely charming French cafe on the uh, west side so we have some nice ambient uh, background music for company but um, uh, you spent six years here in New York, is it fun to come back and uh, see old friends or you you don't have time?
1: (laughs) No, 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 it's... It's fun to come back. I don't have the time to see all the people I know in New York. <laughs> but at least I try to see a couple. <laughs> when right. I come to right.
0: New York. Great. Um, we'd love to talk in the time we have about um, your uh, seminal contributions uh, to the CRISPR field, um, but I'd like to try and touch on some other areas as well that perhaps aren't explored as much as uh, in the many interviews that, that you get and lectures that you give. Um, uh, so obviously, you're French. This is common knowledge, I think. Um, was it always the plan that you would become a microbiologist. I imagine in school, uh, growing up in France, you hear about the heroes not only of microbiology, Pasteur and so on, but also the uh, the great French scientists in bacterial genetics and gene expression. It, this seems like almost like a destined path for a, a smart scientist such as yourself.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm not sure whether this was my destiny at, at first. Uh, one thing I can say is that I was always interested uh, Uh, quite early on so starting six years old in going to university yeah because of the age difference with my oldest sister Uh so when i was uh, at the second year of primary school she was going to the university yeah and and then since that time i wanted to go to the university yeah so i was more interested i understood that it was great that she seemed to be an adult and, and still going to school and i liked school <laughs> and i understood that one could still continue to acquire knowledge and and teachers or so, uh, <laughs> other people and and i was interested in the i mean the global field of, of sciences human sciences yeah. so So sociology, philosophy, psychiatry, and also hardcore sciences, mathematics, biology, physics. So now my mother told me when I uh, chose as a host laboratory for my master's thesis, the Pasteur Institute. She told me that when I was 11, 12 years old, I came back from school one day and I said, uh, "One day I will work at the Pasteur Institute." And she reminded me this uh, when I entered, uh, when I when I chose. A lab at Pasteur yeah. from my host laboratory. Right. Now, having said this, uh, yeah, the, the, the fact is that uh, along the way I got interested more in in mathematics physics biology then i chose biology for uh, my specialty for the last year before yeah. the baccalaureate yeah then i i decided to choose life sciences and then uh, go to biochemistry genetics and microbiology yeah. so it was a bit of a gut feeling i guess yeah and then pasteur it was because yes i mean you know the pasteur institute is you know, yeah. one of the best places in in paris and yeah i was interested in microbes for yeah. for for actually and this was certainly strange because the worst, the worst grade that I ever had during my undergraduate, undergraduate studies were in a certain part of microbiology. This was a course of, you know, really the, the typical microbiology course where you have to learn all the bacterial species, etc. and I got my worst grade in, <laughs> in this specialty. Yeah. However, there was another path of microbiology that was more interesting where I had a, a professor who was really great, uh, Pierre Nether and it was really about, uh, you know, understanding the problematics, and so here yeah. I had a good, very good grade, so I was uh, uh, so but when happy. You
0: came to the United States to do uh, really a series of postdocs, I guess. I know you were here for about six years in yep. the late 90s, uh, very early 2000s. You weren't just working on microbiology, right? You, ch- you switched no, for a period? No, no.
1: no, because actually, when I uh, decided to go to the US for, um, a, I mean, initially it was a postdoc and it ended up being a series of postdoc. I really wanted to to focus more on on the interactions between uh, bacteria causing diseases in humans and the okay. human host. And, and I started a, a postdoc in the laboratory of Elaine Twomanen at the Rockefeller University working on streptococcus pneumoniae and diverse aspects of mechanisms of, of regulation of gene expression that would allow to understand how virulence factors and other factors yeah. responsible for the pathogenicity are produced, specifically in the context of, of the interaction with uh, human host cells. When I arrived in New York, actually, then uh, gave me the great news that the laboratory would be moving to Memphis, Tennessee, to St. Jude, uh, because she was accepting the position of chair of infectious diseases, of the Department of Infectious Diseases at St. Jude Children's Research uh, Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, so I stayed one year at the Rockefeller, and even though I went to her lab uh, in Memphis to finish some, some experiments in 1999, I decided in 1997 to, to start a second postdoc And to completely uh, um, be 100% in the field of eukaryotic biology. So I understood that it was maybe important if I wanted to to focus on infection uh, biology and infectious diseases to really give myself the opportunity because I was still young to really understand uh, how to work with uh, with eukaryotic uh, organisms uh, at different levels, so at the level of the organism itself. Uh, higher, uh, I mean the cells of those higher organisms, so cell biology and also molecular biology and uh, that one can do uh, with regard to in the context of also in association with cell biology of these higher organisms. And I decided to work on skin. The reason why is that I wanted to focus, so during my PhD thesis I was working on antibiotic resistance mechanisms trying to understand how uh, antibiotic resistance genes are transferred from Mm. clinical isolates to clinical isolates. Mm. So uh, this was really a type of research that uh, allowed me to really enter right-wing to bacterial genetics, Mm. uh, the world of plasmids, transposons, Mm. phages, Mm. uh, horizontal gene transfer. Mm. Uh, And here I was focusing mainly on gram-positive bacterial pathogens Mm. causing diseases in humans such as Listeria species, Listeria monocytogenes mainly, but yeah. also streptococci, staphylococci enterococci.
0: Yeah.
1: And during my um, my postdoc I decided to focus on streptococci. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: actually, because I had realized that the Pasteur Institute at the time uh, research on streptococcus pneumonia was not represented.
0: Yeah. So it
1: would have been a niche for me to, to be able to go back to the Pasteur Institute and, yeah. and bring something new and start my, my yeah. team. Yeah. And there was a group as well working on streptococcus pyogenes, but uh, the, the head of la- the laboratory was retiring as well. So I thought it was interesting to focus on those pathogens. First of all, because there are very, very uh, fascinating pathogens, but yeah. also it would allow me to really find a niche to continue my research in France. So, yeah. uh, Because I was interested in working on streptococci and also, uh, to a certain extent, staphylococci that causes diseases in, in skin, yeah. and I realized that actually not a lot of knowledge was available between the interaction, um, for the interaction between uh, these human pathogens and skin. I decided to work on skin so for sure, and then I said okay, the best is maybe or so that I, I go to the world of mice because uh, if it's to, to, to identify, let's say, factors on, on the host side that are responsible for the interaction, the best is to do the proper genetics and actually uh, at the time, 20 years ago, uh, yeah. genetics like knockouts or, 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 or transgenic uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, cells uh, could be uh, obtained only through mm. through mouse yes. mothers. Mm. Mm. Uh, so I, I decided to, to work actually on a, on, a, on a class of molecules that are called placolobin and beta catenin okay. that have a, a dual role. They have a role in... in uh, Skin cell uh, adhesion, and they have also a role in the a regulatory role in the, in the wind pathway for, for, for the development of, of those cells. And so, I, I um, developed transgenic uh, mouse models for uh, those proteins, expressing the human versions of those proteins in, in, in mice and um, this was interesting for me because uh, I learned so, a number of, of, of techniques how to analyze after phenotypes, how to work with tissues, cells, uh, at the molecular level or so. Yeah. But this was interesting for me because at that time I figured out really to, to which, which extent the eukaryotic field was in need of better tools. Yes. That actually I was working with... Uh, human pathogens, but there was no possibility to really knock out uh, genes in human cells. There was just the possibility to uh, overexpress ectopically in, yeah. uh, in a transient or less transient uh, fashion uh, yeah. a gene. Yeah. Uh, even at the time, uh, doing knockdowns were, was not, uh, yeah. I mean, it, this technique was not yeah. uh, available because uh, RNA interference was just starting at the time.
0: Yeah.
1: And so one had always to go to, to the you know, first doing uh, transgenic or knockout mice and then uh, study those, those cells. But I mean, these yeah. are not the, the typical cells which uh, the bacteria I uh, was right. working with would infect. So, and uh, I started at some point, to, at this point, to realize that Urso, it was a start of also trying to improve um, the protocols to culture human cells, primary cells, uh, you know, skin grafts, etc. Mm. but no, no, no possibility to do the real genetics. Right. Having said this, I went back after the bacteriology field, and I said, yeah. okay, now I need to continue to do this hardcore research, yeah, uh, focusing on, on regulatory mechanisms, and trying to find new mechanism that will be um, promising. Uh, in terms of finding new targets for novel anti-infectives and also uh, new ways to to target uh, genes and their expression. I mean, this is uh, also the reason why I worked on on small RNAs, I I have to say.
0: At this point, we're talking 2002-2003, CRISPR is... Yes. uh, You've never heard of CRISPR, right, at this point?
1: 2002-2003, actually, I never heard about uh, CRISPR. So I did a third postdoc focusing on small RNAs and staphylococci and diverse aspects of of regulation of replication of plasmids uh, in which actually small RNAs play a role and, and this was actually the first role found for a small uh, um, RNAs with regulatory functions. is an antisense uh, uh, function that uh, will be involved in the regulation of plasmid replication. So uh, I worked on those aspects on biofilm formation, on on a small RNA in staphylococci. So this was a small RNA described to have a role in Vernon. So this was in the lab of Richard Novick at Skerbol at at NYU. And uh, also, I worked also on on phages in Islam. So uh, this this, this was a very, all my time in New York, actually, you know, if I reflect, it's, I I strengthen really uh, all different aspects. That really uh, would facilitate when I enter the CRISPR field, yeah. none of the less uh, being able to tackle the biological questions. Yeah. Uh, because I would have acquired, or so, along the way in my laboratory, the techniques that would allow me to to really uh, uh, understand um, yeah. the biological questions I was asking uh, with regard to CRISPR in uh, yeah. using genetics and biochemistry and molecular biology, yeah. and. Also, uh, really, the the understanding for sure, because this was, you know, very early on the the famous sentence you add at the end uh, when you write a grant, you know, that you're going to find, uh, you hope to find a mechanism that could lead to novel anti-infectives or novel ways to silence uh, genomes and, and their expression. so uh, i saw right away the potential uh, with chris uh-huh. of uh, none of the less of a mechanism that would allow to identify thanks to the diversity of the system novel mechanisms of interactions between proteins and rna and dna yeah. Um, but also um, possibly a machinery that uh, that uh, hopefully would uh, would be very attractive for developing uh, gene technologies. Yeah.
0: When you went back to the U.S. from the U.S. back to Europe, uh, where did you go? Because you've had you've had so ventures in several different places. And I that...
1: first went. Yeah, I first went to the University of Vienna. Yeah in Austria, so this was the start of the Max F. Paris Laboratories.
0: And so the the, the idea of going back to Pasteur was never one that you...
1: No, actually at the time I could have gone back to Pasteur, although uh, in 2002 at the Pasteur Institute they were just starting to let's put it that way, to, to shape the institute in order to be able to offer independent position to more junior leaders. Um, but when I went back to Vienna, those positions were not uh, uh, fully shaped yet. And, and for me it was important to be independent and to not have anyone around me and to just uh, you know, start the re- my research the way okay. I, I wanted to start my uh-huh. research. Okay. Uh, and, and this is also what you know an experience in the U.S. brings in, in, in principle for, specifically at the time, uh, when uh, when those positions for uh, junior leaders um, working totally independently uh, with the possibility to have a funding that would allow them to Mm. to start their teams those Mm. concepts were just starting in europe so Mm. it was important for me to to be free right and vienna was offering me this position possibility even though i had to struggle quite a bit to get my first uh, fundings surely
0: and Obviously, jumping ahead a little bit, but from Vienna, then you move later to Sweden, and then subsequently to to Germany, where you're based now. Um, it, it, it's it's hard to you know move flats, let alone labs and new yes. countries. And, yes. Yes. Um, so this was not some. Po- this was not some grand plan, this was something that you. to, no, to keep fi- finding money and resources to yes. continue your yes. research. So your uh, your work has been, uh, this has been a handicap, uh, or, yes. or has it?
1: Yes, because yeah. in 25 years I was working in five countries, seven yeah. cities, I think. <laughs> Uh, nine, ten institutions
0: you are walking Ther- mobile 13, elements
1: 13 different <laughs> offices uh, 14 13, 14 different apartments in 25 years wow. it's a very big turnover yeah. um, no actually I. it was not that it was planned yeah. but uh, I I was uh, I realized actually a posteriori that during my postdoctoral time I was relatively fast and I always felt that okay it was okay I I saw what I wanted to see I needed to move on and I had done my time I was successful I needed to move on and I always had this this, uh, this, uh, pre-feeling and actually maybe it was a chance because uh, I could could feel very fast uh, the right time to, to move on to not get stuck in a position that where maybe I would not be able yeah. to evolve the way I wanted to yeah. evolve. So each time I went somewhere, it was yeah. actually for an incentive, surely. There was always an incentive, and there was an incentive of a better yeah. position. Right.
0: I want to get to your, uh, uh, your meeting with Jennifer Doudna and that collaboration, which of course is a huge turning point in, in the CRISPR story. But as you reflect and look back over the previous five, you know, ten years, What what are one or two of the major insights or turning points before that moment that you look back on and say that that was huge that was a that was a tipping point in the story?
1: So in the CRISPR field,
0: yeah. So for sure, in your in your your work as you began to
1: again no so so this was clearly uh, the 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 experiment this was a northern blot analysis yeah uh, done in 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 2009 when we really uh, actually found out that uh, there was a link between tracer RNA, this second RNA of the CRISPR-Cas9 system, and the CRISPR-Cas9 system. So it was a very simple experiment. So the idea that I had was that tracer RNA was involved in the activation or really the activity of the CRISPR-Cas9 system. So it was, we had a knockout of, of tracer RNA because we were uh, uh, studying tracer RNA. We were going in, an, in, a, in the wrong direction, principle. Yeah. Yeah. and we had also the knockout of CRISPR-RNA because we mm. were interested in in, uh, in in understanding the CRISPR-Cas9 mechanism. Yes. So it was really a simple experiment when we figured out that uh, when we were knocking out tracer RNA yeah. Yeah. CRISPR-RNA was not maturated any longer and yeah. when we were knocking out CRISPR-RNA, tracer RNA was not uh, any longer maturated and along the way we did different controls when uh, we realized uh, right away uh, that uh, Cas9 uh, as your well your was your important your in the stability yeah. of those two yeah. RNAs. So very fast it came uh, in our our mind that uh, Cas9 forms a mm. complex with this mm. duplex of RNA, mm. uh, finding that indeed tracer RNA can form actually duplex <laughs> with CRISPR RNA at the level of repeat-anti-repeat, yeah. looking right away, I remember it was really in the next uh, next day, yeah. looking at other organisms, figuring out that tracer RNA was actually a unique molecule yeah. that uh, was defined not by uh, sequence identity among all the tracer RNA molecules existing in bacteria but that the the particularity was this anti repeaters There was a molecule with extremely diverse mm. uh, uh, um, you know nucleotide mm. sequence when comparing uh, trace RNA molecules mm. with one another so looking at the diversity understanding right away actually know that the system was a three component system. This was from the first step. So mm-hmm. for sure, um, then after, you know, uh, there are things yeah. I did not say. but <laughs> mm-hmm. wow. So it, it was also clear, to, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and it's pretty that way quite early on that uh, that uh, tracer RNA would not, yeah. not be the end of the story for yeah. tracer RNA. Yeah. And that after, you know, clearly if you were looking at, at the time at the other CRISPR-Cas systems yeah. that were described, uh, type one systems and type three systems, uh, which were uh, started to be described and understood, uh, notably by uh, the groups of of, um, of uh, Luciano Marafini with Eric Santamer uh, for the type three, and also. Um, uh, ah. <laughs> Uh, Michael Turns, surely, and uh, and for the Type One uh, system, the group of, of Stan Brown's and John Van der Oost. So uh-huh. this is really the pioneers of, of scientists who yeah. really were doing the hardcore, uh, you know, yeah. research. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: So it was clear that this where uh, those systems were working with a complex of proteins guided yes. by CRISPR RNA, yeah. and that uh, you know the CRISPR Cas nine system was surely yeah. extremely minimal. So the CRISPR Cas nine system, one should also recognize uh, yeah. the early work done. On yeah the CRISPR-Cas9 system, it was called, this Cas9 protein was called CSN1, Cas5, CXX12. It was first described in terms of its function by by the groups of of Horvath and Wanner, who described in 2007 the science paper. So uh, they were working on this uh, strain of Streptococcus thermophilus that had actually the three types. Mm. Uh, But already it was clear at that time that for the type 2 system, Cas9, uh, that there would be one protein involved for interference but for sure the idea was that CRISPR-RNA will be involved Cas9 yeah. will be involved then Sivan Moineau had a, also a breakthrough paper in, in Nature in 2010 yeah. showing that Cas9 uh, can uh, cleave uh, by introducing a double uh, stranded break on the yeah. DNA uh, can cleave uh, um, phage DNA and plasmid DNA so this was yeah. shown later uh, by him so this was also very important but CRISPR-RNA yes. was missing yes. he, he did the experiments genetically uh, speaking so it was clear Cas9 yes. is going to introduce the Yes. When DNA so this was really a super important paper yes. for us. Yes. Uh, there was also the group of, of six NIST who had also figured out that Cas9 was cleaving. Yeah. Uh, but for all of those groups, tracer RNA was not existing in principle because yeah. they were doing genetics which uh, means that uh, their papers in terms of results were totally correct yes. based on the on the, on the experiment they were doing. Um, but uh, for sure they, they, you know, they had not identified uh, the tracer RNA molecule yes. this is what we did and, and bringing really the, you know, the, the third component uh, yes. into place and showing that, yeah, it's, it's an essential uh, yes. uh, component because it's an enzyme guided by two RNAs. Of course. Uh,
0: so maybe that's a good way to bring us up to, I think it was 2011 when you yes. met uh, yes, yes, Jennifer. Yes. So
1: uh, with regard to then the CRISPR field, the CRISPR field for me was fascinating and very interesting because. Uh, very early on I understood that actually it was bringing together uh, a very interesting uh, crowd of diverse scientists yes. very complementary yeah. Yeah. so you had the bacterial geneticists you, uh, you had the molecular biologists you had the biochemists and you had the structural biologists mm-hmm. and if we were looking and for sure there were different papers starting to describe the structures of those proteins and truly Jennifer now had done already substantial work on, uh, on the structure of those proteins and so the structure for me was really important because we had already uh, uh, identified with diverse Cas9 proteins of different sizes, uh, with different pans, uh, with uh, always a duplex of RNA but of, of different structures. And, and the idea for me was uh, that the structure of will be important to really understand what what is, uh, let's say, uh, conserved and not conserved in terms of structure on those proteins that have different sizes, actually, and also that it would be important to gain insights into those mechanisms, because if one wanted to reduce you know, the system into practice, uh, then the structural biology may bring cu- clues out to really, you know, shorten uh, the proteins and do some protein engineering. and so. Uh, when I went to the meeting, I knew that I really didn't yes. and so I was looking forward to meeting her because I didn't know her. Also because when I presented this work that was uh, published in Nature, and uh, this was uh, at, at the meeting, uh, the first official CRISPR meeting that was uh, organized. Mm. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it was organized in Wageningen, in the Netherlands by John van der Oost. And I figured out that the CRISPR scientists knew one another uh, because they were invited in this uh, secretive meeting that was taking place in Berkeley. Prior to 2010, where I was not invited because no one had any idea that I was working on CRISPR. So, when I presented my work in October 2010, Jennifer actually was not uh, present at the meeting, but uh, yeah, they, they discovered that I was working on CRISPR and they discovered the famous story of Tracer RNA. So, it was very nice because Um, This was, I think, the highlight of everything. The the, the pioneers just all came to me and and shook my hands and said, you know, I think you got got the (laughs) stories. And then so I was, uh, yeah, so for me, uh, yes, indeed, I had uh, in mind to approach uh, Jennifer and and to ask her um, whether she would be interested in... uh, in, deciphering the, the structure and, and determining the, and the structure of And this collaboration
0: kind of straight away. Well, let's meet.
1: put it that way. Uh, yeah, be, I mean, you, know, you, meet, you meet and sometimes, uh, sometimes, you, it feel, works, sometimes. You, you feel that it's going to work out. Yeah. Sometimes you feel it's yeah. not going to work out. Uh, what was very important uh, for this collaboration, I have to say, is that you, know, you, you can have a very good gut feeling and a good interaction with uh, with a colleague of yours, yeah. but you know, uh, the junior scientists who are going to, to to work on the projects also need to get along with yeah. one another. Uh, and sometimes it's not specifically the, the fact because maybe you know your student or your postdoc is not that talkative, doesn't want really to, yeah, but to but share, etc. And this was a very interesting with my student, students Cristošinisky and Martinine because they were getting along and uh, with one another. So we were organizing. Were oh, they from a the same Skype.
0: town or almost the no, same?
1: No, no. Oh, okay. But I mean, uh, no, no. Uh, Dr. is Polish and, and, uh, and uh, uh, Martin Jenek is from the Czech Republic. But I mean, they, they couldn't understand a little bit one another when they were speaking Polish, Polish and Czech. But having said this, yeah, we, we did uh, a number of, of, of Skype meetings. I was joining them uh, from yeah. time to time at yeah. Yeah. Skype meetings. And then, uh, but you know, but, but the biological questions were very straightforward. I mean, uh, um, at least from the biochemistry uh, side, uh, my student had this, you know, PhD project very well defined, yeah. uh, which I uh, had helped him to, to outline. And so, you know, uh, what was important for us was to have the, the Cas9 purified, and then we had all these series of assays that you know, wanted to to run, which is, you know, plus minus stress RNA, cross RNA, showing that yeah. it's cleaving, uh, looking whether it has an helicase activity, uh, looking yeah. for the palm requirements, uh, looking for, uh, you know, the seed sequence, uh, looking for, I mean, all those biochemical, let's yeah. uh, put it that way, characteristic that, uh, yeah. you know, you will try to, to define when going uh, away and this became the, the science paper and along the way, surely, Martin was trying to, to improve uh, yeah. also the, the the conditions to get the, the crystal structure in which ended up also in the publication.
0: I apologize for this. Awful question, but was there a eureka moment along the way, or was it more a series <laughs> for of me, in terms of this yeah, scene so editing? So
1: in, in the thing, but no, but there was a second eureka moment. So after this non blood analysis, where, yeah. that indicated us that really there is an interaction, etc., and, oh, really? and with a follow-up observations within the next days that uh, yeah. told us uh, everything, yeah. and which, by the way, uh, is also a study that uh, ultimately we continued with uh, in collaboration with a group of young in Germany um yeah, the, the second eureka moment in my lab was really when uh, my students showed that indeed i mean Cas9 is cleaving with tracer RNA and CRISPR RNA so this was it you know yeah. the test be of the three components yeah. and it's cleaving you know the, the first essay that he did is actually the, the it's, it's uh, you know the first figure of the science papers and it was all the controls it was working right away. Yeah. Um the fact that it would be um, uh, actually uh, uh, potentially useful <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: uh, the gene technology this came uh, more early
0: yeah Right.
1: so really even uh, at least for me uh, yes.
0: Yes. it's
1: even the idea that um, that uh, it would be useful to yeah. uh, for the silencing and recombinations of genomes in, in higher organisms um, but also uh, for the for the the, the treatment of, yeah. of human uh, genetic disorders through new ways to to, to develop gene, gene therapies but, but this it's also because uh, actually prior to prior to to start my master's studies in Macrobiology at the Pasteur Institute, yeah. uh, I had done a bachelor uh, thesis in a in the lab that was focusing on human gene therapy, so this yeah. was in the ni- early 90s. This yeah. was really the field of human gene therapy, people yes, the starting the to be, to be very, therapy, yeah. very uh, interesting. So... And and this was also one of my early interests. That's why actually uh, at the end of the day I did bacterial genetics, but genetics has always been, uh, you know, uh, a red thread. Um, I developed genetic tools uh, to have uh, better tools to do bacterial genetics when I was a postdoc in the US, so it has always been uh, an obsession. And for example, ultimately we developed better tools for streptococcus biogenes also, and these tools were really useful to really Mm -hmm. make Sure, that uh, we had understood the right uh, role of of tracer RNA in CRISPR, etc. So these were really tools that were allowing to do precise genetics.
0: Before we get drowned out by background noise, um, you said in your lecture, you gave a lecture at Columbia yesterday, you talked about luck and serendipity in the choice of organism Indeed. that you worked on. Please tell, tell that story. I mean,
1: serendipity, as a matter of fact, we are really interested in my lab in working with Streptococcus parogenes because it's 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 really an extremely relevant clinical uh, yeah. um, um, pathogen uh, causing a wide range of diseases yeah. from mild to more severe uh, infections in humans. Yeah. Um, Having said this, uh, what was interesting along the way is to figure out that, uh, as a matter of fact, the tool that is used worldwide by the scientists is the tool uh, that uh, finds its uh, origin in Streptococcus pyogenes*, and other Cas9 proteins and orthologs have been tested. Uh, surely, uh, there is always an advantage, and this is the advantage of s cas 9 in that it's working with a very small PAM, NGG, uh, that gives more flexibility in terms of possibility to use uh, this Cas9 protein in a, in a wider way, uh, because it offers more possibilities to target uh, uh, DNA sequences, and, but also because it ended up uh, being uh, the protein that showed the most. Uh, uh, efficiency uh, in, in, in human cells, obviously, yep. even though there are some variants which yeah. don't really show, but at the end of the day everyone works yeah. with s and S-CAS9. And I found this interesting because we you know, we could have worked on, a, on, a, on another orthologue and maybe this orthologue would have been tested, the scientists would have said yes, okay, both, but you know, not great, and you know, maybe
0: um, I will not be here uh, uh, (laughs) talking to you. Talking to the Christmas journal uh, and being part of the Christmas journal. Um, When you submitted the science paper, the classic science paper now in 2012, were you aware of the related work of uh, Virginia's Sixness, with whom you shared the Kavli Prize a couple of weeks ago?
1: No, I was was aware of the fact that, because uh, for sure uh, I was meeting him at CRISPR meetings, Yes. so I was aware of the fact that he was uh, continuing uh, the work, on uh, on the biochemistry of the of the CRISPR-Cas9 and this famous type 2 system and that he was uh, trying to also purify the protein so this and got to know this from the meeting of 2011, yeah. um, but you know, then after, I mean, what, what was happening uh, for me at least is that uh, you know the updates with regard to the work of, of my colleagues I was getting those updates at uh, you know annually at the, at the CRISPR meeting. So it's really at the CRISPR meeting 2012 that we figured out that uh, yeah. actually uh, he had also uh, um, some work on, on Cas9. He, even though it was not through the, the in vitro purification of the protein, right. but through uh, fishing uh, a yeah. tagged version of the protein uh, from uh, from *Streptococcus yeah. uh,
0: uh, thermophilus*, a lot was made. By on the publication of the science paper particularly in retrospect that um, the big question that remained was to demonstrate that this gene editing system would work in human DNA and yes, human cells. Yes. Did you, was that always uh, for you? Did you feel that was a yeah. formality? This was a, a sure thing? Or were there big questions that still had to be uh, No, I,
1: I, I did not. Uh, no, uh, for me, is, is, I mean, maybe because, you know, uh, um, no form, I mean, a formality. Let's speak it that way. You know, you have these systems, for example, that uh, have their origins also in yeah. uh, in bacteria, and that yeah. work very well. Uh, yeah. So for me, it was not a concern yeah. because of you know other systems that yeah. were yeah. used uh, yeah. to do knockout mice yeah. and that with yeah. you, with really proteins originating yeah. from from uh, bacteria, and also because you know talents at the end of the day. Uh, I mean, zinc finger nucleases are engineered nucleases talents as well, but yes. talents and you know one of the components yeah, it's, it's also uh, from uh, from uh, um, yeah. bacterial components, so I, w- I was not concerned. I was more, um, you know, it was working so well in vitro, and then you know, uh, okay, then you know, you, yeah. you, 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 you test it in uh, yeah. in uh, in bacteria and higher organisms, yeah. and so I was very um, yeah. positive and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Um, Maybe because it's my way of uh, you know approaching uh, you know, <laughs> uh, design did you,
0: did you uh, after, after in the wake of this uh, your, your discovery in 2012 did you quickly decide and see the potential of this technology and decide I want to launch a biotech company or was it a case of people coming to you saying no you,
1: no 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 so this was already in 2012 and this was uh, uh, very much thought through yeah. Uh, because of my early idea to um, that actually, uh, you know, looking for me. I mean, when I was in the U.S., it was the uh, 90s, and uh, I got very much interested by uh, you know the principal investigators and also yeah. were trying to you know to, to look for ways yeah. where they could really also uh, yeah. be involved in, in biotech companies or funding their biotech companies. Yeah. Now the vector system that had um, developed. So, so the different labs I was working with, uh, my PIs were involved in, in biotech companies. And um, the vector system that I developed uh, when I was uh, in the lab of Richard Novick at the Skerborn Institute NYU was actually ultimately uh, also uh, brought into the, 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 the concept of being commercialized. So, And, and then I always had uh, in mind that one day it would be nice if my research could lead to really um, yeah, anti-infective strategies so with CRISPR I was like okay anti-infective okay there may be a way and indeed there is a way to harness CRISPR-Cas9 in this regard at least uh, as an antibacterial but um, I was um, you know trying to find out okay what could be the direct application for me was human direct application for me it was clear that it was human gene therapy so in 2012 when uh, you know also because one has to understand that my life was also always in the middle of, of, of preparing new moves etc, so very busy. Yeah. But in 2012 I contacted uh, uh, a colleague and an extremely good friend of, of mine, yes. Rod Garmovak, who yes. put me in contact with a, uh, an investor in so Sean Foy, and, and actually I just told them, I said you know I'm working on CRISPR, I explained to them and I said for me you know I mean there is a yeah, possibility to apply uh, the technology directly in human gene therapy. Maybe you think I'm crazy. I don't know. Tell me, etc. And then they say no, no, no. Uh, it's totally, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, no, no. And so we started at that point. And so we had, a, I had an approach that was different. It was really to, uh, you know, to really. Uh, um, um, Let's put it that way. Identify the people I wanted to work with. And I have to say, then they really did the work. (laughs) They didn't, you know, they knew very well how to to do it. So I was uh, quite. uh, passive in the sense that uh-huh. they knew exactly uh, knew yeah. how to do it and, and, uh, yeah. and so this was a start of, of CRISPR Therapeutics and ERS Genomics uh, okay. uh, with um,
0: right.
1: with first uh, wish to, to establish the company uh, in, uh, in the UK or in Switzerland I yes. mean at the end of the day CRISPR Therapeutics is a Swiss yes. American company but yes. Um, so ultimately, uh, for the operations of CRISPR therapeutics, ended up yes. being in the Boston, Cambridge area, and ERS Genomics is a uh, yes. small licensing yes. uh, company in yes. principle. No, so this was very so true and very uh, you know yeah. targeted and, and uh, so so yeah. Actually, early 2013, I approached uh, Jennifer Donnelly I and I told her that me I was more interested in going towards th- therapeutics. She was more interested in more toolbox. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know the, the kids and uh, yes. and so on. Yes. Uh, I also approached Fang Fang um, and time. Giant, mm-hmm. Yes was who said yeah indeed he's interested as well uh, he would be interested in joining the company but ultimately uh, <laughs> the, you know yep. the road went uh, in different uh, direction another um, direction so then after they tried to yeah so I said I know Yeah, you know I contacted you guys and uh, you know, so now I'm on <laughs> yeah and, uh, you know, I follow right. my way right. so, um,
0: anyway um, before we leave CRISPR therapeutics um, it's been a f- it's been fascinating to watch the progress that these yes. companies are making we're on the verge, indeed, in some cases now beginning to enter the clinic. But the literature is full of, um, and stock prices go rise and fall, yes. based on various concerns, scares, off-target effects, p53, immune effects. The list will continue, I have no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but. In your presentation yesterday, you talked about delivery. That you feel that delivery may be the biggest challenge ahead of meaningful therapeutic benefit using CRISPR gene editing. Is that yes. that's correct?
1: Yes, I think so. I yeah. mean, as much as it is
0: important to
1: really work on the specificity still yeah. of
0: CRISPR Cas9, yeah.
1: and uh, the, the bottleneck remains, nevertheless, the delivery systems. Yeah. In order to really have um, CRISPR Cas9 yes. delivered in the maximal number of cells, in the most efficient uh, way and the safest uh, yeah. way
0: yeah
1: uh, with no or so uh, you know secondary effects or no yeah.
0: uh, no uh, yeah. unwanted Reactions. And you're excited by the progress that you're making in, in I'm, I'm de- producing exci- that delivery vehicle?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very, very, uh, very much excited with regard to how delivery <laughs> systems are going to be further developed uh, according to the right. delivery of the peace of okay. technology.
0: Great. Maybe in closing, we can just talk a little bit about what your lab is doing yeah. now. I, I, I'm not sure how you find time to even be in the lab, you are so busy traveling um, and giving lectures around the world, uh, but uh, what is the main focus of your academic so, group in Berlin now?
1: Actually, this is really understanding mechanisms of regulation of gene expression, mainly in Streptococcus pyogenes, in the context of... of, of the human host, (laughs) Uh, and in the context of all stresses that streptococcus per genes may encounter. So we focus on different aspects of of gene regulation at the transcriptional, -transcriptional, post-transcriptional, translational, -translational post-translational level. So we are interested in the class of small regulatory molecules, RNAs, proteins interacting with RNAs, so degradation of RNAs, maturation of RNAs, uh, and small RNAs, and and trying to find their targets. So we do a lot of RNA-seq analysis in this regard. Uh, We are interested uh, also in uh, all the pathways of toxin-antitoxin systems. Uh, we are interested in protein quality control uh, that imply uh, these uh, proteins named CLIP, uh, that are chaperone um, proteins and also uh, form, have unfolded these functions and, and, and form proteolytic complexes. So, really in the proteolysis of, of, of uh, yeah, in the proteolysis specifically in the context of interaction with, uh, with different stress conditions. And we are also interested in uh, in CRISPR, surely, Uh, the biology of still of of CRISPR-Cas9, the biochemistry of CRISPR-Cas9, but also the biology of other CRISPR-Cas systems. Um, Also a line of research that uh, is going to start soon in my laboratories are CRISPR-Cas applications with regard more to the development of infectious uh, models, and also we are interested in uh, pathogen. Interaction, so uh, innate immunity to a certain extent, but specifically how the, the host uh, reacts to. Uh Streptococcus pyogenes that produces, as a matter of fact, um, small bacterial vesicles. So this uh, um, extra uh, cellular, um, let's say, um, structures um, yeah. that are produced by, yeah. by Streptococcus pyogenes and um, that have also yeah. um, uh, triggering functions uh, with yes. regard to, to infections. So you
0: have been in Berlin now for two or three, uh, three years. years and at the Max Planck Institute yeah. for Infection biology. Are you happy there? You feel you will be able to uh,
1: yes so to, uh, I end
0: this nomadic existence that you have. Yes. Had? So
1: I I joined the Max Planck Institute for Infection Biology three years ago, and actually I have now uh, started a new small institute mm. focused on the science of pathogens.
0: Right.
1: So where uh, the plan is to start the construction of a building in uh, in some months from now. So yes. we have. Uh, been in negotiation to find space in in Berlin in the vicinity of the campus of Humboldt University La Charité And so uh, we hope to start uh, the plans of the building relatively soon. We hope that the building will be ready in four or five years from now, yes. uh, where I will have the uh, opportunity to recruit five, six independent yes. group leaders uh, to focus uh, yeah, the research of the Institute on the side of really science of yes. pathogens that has quite a, a large definition from my side, yes. meaning it's bacteria, viruses, parasites, yes. uh, fungi that can cause diseases in humans or plants, it can be viruses of bacteria, viruses of viruses, or it can be also the microbiota because at the end of the day any uh, bacteria or microorganism in a, in a pathogenic environment or, or in an environment when they can acquire um, genes uh, that can bring them to a pathogenic uh, stage for me it's also linked to pathogenic organisms yeah. and and uh, hopefully the possibility to, to hire uh, in four or five years uh, um, and diversity of scientists that uh, will be able to to be complementary on on different uh, aspects of of science of pathogens. So having said this now we have uh, an independent administration ready and we are uh, establishing research platforms um, ready to go and so that also the Institute can be attractive to to recruit uh, top Top well I'm sure it will be both because in this it's in field. Berlin
0: and because of the chance to work uh, with you that would be I'm sure very appealing yeah. um, my, this is my last question your I mean, your life has changed almost out of recognition I suspect in the last five years um, you've been widely and deservedly recognized um, by many societies with, uh, with prizes and all kinds of recognition does any part of you um Feel conflicted or that you wish and sometimes you could just go back to the relative um, anonymity, the quietness, the uh, ability to just be in the lab mm-hmm. and put the radio on and do your work. You don't have that luxury anymore. No,
1: I don't have that luxury anymore and for sure I mean I'm conflicted, let's put it that way. Uh, you know, I have so many things to take care of so that uh, um, in a way uh, I try to remain pragmatic and I, I take everything that comes to me in a pragmatic way and uh, trying to organize myself as much as I can to deal with uh, the overwhelming situation yes. at, uh, on different angles, whether it's the uh, Chris Parkas side effects or also the, the difficulty that I have encountered lately, <laughs> finding ways to, to save uh, my laboratory from not uh, having, uh, you know, not having... Uh, a lab structure because this was the reason why I started this new institute. Huh? But in in, in principle, the, uh, sh- surely know uh, uh, no, I, I miss uh, the time where I, I could be in the lab and a little bit more free, let's say,
0: mm.
1: uh, more quiet, yeah. and uh, being able to focus on research. Yeah. Because uh, for, for CRISPR-Cas9, I was really, uh, you know, every single day, uh, yeah. really uh, uh, involving myself scientifically yes. in the project, uh, always uh, always in, in discussions with uh, with my students uh, uh, on, a, on a daily basis. So. Uh, this this uh, has been uh, extremely rewarding, at least uh, those times, and and surely I, I miss those times. I feel that now I'm uh, some, sometimes uh, kept um, in like no stage. Yes, like, uh, yes.
0: <laughs> well you've been very kind to make so much time for us, yep. thank you, yeah. congratulations, Thank you very much, au
1: revoir. Thank you very much. Au revoir. Okay.